All right, we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 1, that God spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. Before Jesus, B.C., before Christ, God spoke to man through dreams and visions, but his primary way that he spoke to man was through the prophets. God would speak to the prophets, and the prophets would relay the message to the masses, to the people, to the leaders, to the kings. And so God used the prophets, he used the prophets to speak through. He used the prophets to communicate to man as best that, that the prophets could who God was. The only revelation or the only understanding that we have or had before Christ of who God was, was spoken through man. It was spoken through the prophets. It was spoken through the writers of the Torah. It was spoken through, which we know as the Old Testament, it was spoken through man. We never really had an example of God and man form here on the earth. We, 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 we took that information from what was relayed through mankind here on the earth. But as we see here in Hebrews, it says that God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Now, we'll continue there in a moment, but I want to point this out to you. Um, do I, I need one of our host team members to get me one of those leather chairs. If you can bring it up here for me. I forgot. Don't, nobody jump. Thank you, Daniel. I've always liked you, and I especially like your name. Thanks, buddy. Get one of those. If somebody's in it, you can kick them out, okay? Just give me one of those leather chairs to bring it up here. Thank you. Just tell them the Lord hath need of it. When you do it in the King James, it's less offensive, okay? All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just answer Casey. Let him know. Casey at... My, mom's, uh, my mom and dad are in a, in a conference in Romania right now speaking to pastors, and they're sending pictures and videos, so I'll show you that at the end of service so you can see what's happening. Thank you. Thank you. Give Daniel a hand. He's awesome. All right. We're going to use that in a bit. So um, we see that God spoke through the prophets for a period of time, but it wasn't enough. God cares about us, and he's so good to us that he wanted to do more than just speak through the prophets. So he sent his son here. He sent his son so that face to face and eye to eye, God in man form, Jesus Christ, could communicate to mankind how God felt about us. He could say, this is how I feel about you. This is how I interact with you. This is how I care about you. This is my attitude towards mankind. This is how, this is what I think about the sinners. This is what I think about the downtrodden. This is what I think about the hopeless. This is what I think about. Everything we know about who God is to man was revealed to us in a greater measure, in a greater understanding through the life of Jesus. We know this because Jesus could have come two days later, been crucified, three days later, rose from the dead, and then a couple days later ascended into heaven and fulfilled 
most, not all, but most of what the prophets had prophesied about him. But instead, he lived here for 33 years. Why do you think that God sent his son here for 33 years to live amongst us? 33 years. Why do you think that he did that? Because he wanted to speak to us, not just through the prophets, but he wanted to speak to us in a way that was greater than he'd ever spoken before and give us a path or an example of how you and I should live and conduct our life. Jesus was more than just more than just came to this earth to fulfill the words of the prophets. He came for more than just to get you saved. He came for more than just to atone for your sin. He came for more than just that. Although it's the, it's the crux and the foundation of what we believe, Jesus goes beyond, the purpose of him on the earth goes beyond just waiting it out. and just going to wait around, do a couple miracles for 33 years until finally they're going to kill me. I mean, it's greater than that. There's more to it than just that. He wasn't waiting around for the time to come. If you think about it, you know, some of his life was not in ministry. Some of his life was in ministry. But even the years of non-ministry, what was the purpose of him being here? You ever ask yourself that question? Well, we see that God wanted to communicate, hey, this is what it looks like to live on the earth. Now, as we discover and understand Jesus, we understand and discover more about ourselves. Because we were created in his image, when we understand God, we begin to understand more about who God's created us to be. And the more that you understand what God created you to be, the less we deal with the nonsense that seems to hold us back, both emotionally and mentally and all the stuff that keeps us bound and wound and all that, that keeps us out of the promised land of the of God's dreams for our life, all that stuff that we seem to constantly be wrestling with begins to fall off and melt away when we really discover who we are. And we discover who we are by understanding who he is because you're created in his image. Are you with me? And so if we, you can almost, if you're dealing with somebody, now Erin's a wonderful lady, but let's say she wasn't and she's really struggling and she has a baby who doesn't like her and she can't put the bottle in the mouth correctly. But Erin, if I sat down with her and she said, this is what I'm dealing with and struggling with in my life, I could probably flip the tables and begin to dig into what she understands about Jesus. Who does she think Jesus is and was when he was here on the earth? And when I begin to dig into that, I will probably find the reason that she has identity issues in herself and the reason that she does some of the things she does. You can literally, probably, almost every time you encounter somebody that's experiencing real difficult, especially emotional stuff, we can dig into what they think about Jesus, what they understand about Jesus, and as we dig into that, we'll begin to realize that there's something, there's a missing gap, or there's something that just misunderstood about who Jesus is. Because as wonderful and as good and as marvelous as you and I think Jesus is, some of us might, some of us might not, he's better than that. Because you have no comparison here on the earth. See, what I'm getting ready to read is God's message to us that, that there's nothing that you can relate to when it comes to how good Jesus is. 
And he says this, as you read here. He says, Jesus is appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory. He's the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. So we see in verse 4, it says that he's better than the angels. If you move on to verse, or chapter 7, verse 19, it says, this is all through Hebrews, he brought a better hope because he is the mediator of a better covenant. Chapter 8, verse 6 says, which was established upon better promises. It's, listen to this, he's better than the angels, he's greater than the prophets, he's better, he has a better hope, he's brought a better covenant, and he has better promises. The whole, I think, I think that better used in context with Jesus and something that he, he has to offer us. I think in Hebrews alone, there's 13 different references where it says better, Jesus is better this, he has better this, he brings better this, he's brought better this. Better, 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 better. What is God trying to communicate through all of this in Hebrews? Because he, sp he starts off in verse 1 saying, I used to speak through the prophets. So that's the comparison. I've got the prophets over here. And let me tell you, now I speak through my son. And what I've spoken through my son and what I've brought through my son and what he's delivered and brought to the earth for you is better, 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 better times 13. And what he's saying is he's saying, I know the prophets have helped you. I know what the prophets have spoken to you. You've built your culture and your life and your religion and your understanding on. I know that your understanding of God has, has been formed by what the prophets have spoken. But he says, I, I'm, I'm giving you something new to look at. A new understanding, a greater revelation through my son. I'm no longer speaking through, through just men because he still speaks prophetically today. But he says, I'm no longer just doing that. I'm going to bring in man form Jesus here to the earth so that I can show you how much better I am than even what the prophets say. See, he wanted to blow our, our understanding away. He wanted to, to kind of take our box and explode it. Our limitations on how good we think God is. He wanted to take those limitations and say, I know you think I'm good. And I know you think that I've done some good stuff. But I'm going to show you through my son that I'm better than you think. And when Jesus came, he delivered better in every way. You know, the story of the prodigal son is not just a story about forgiveness or an open door or God's redemption. The story of the prodigal son is that God is better than you deserve. And he's better than you think. You see, because in the prodigal story of the prodigal son, what the father does in that, of course, that's an example of, of Jesus, an example of our heavenly father. What God does, what, what we see through the father in that particular story is better than any human example you and I know. I don't care how nice you are, none of you would have acted like that father. Right? Even if there was music playing, you wouldn't, Hey, if you're going to have music playing, let it be groovy music. That was groovy, all right? We almost did dance to that. There's nobody on earth like that father. Even if, if, if you had a child that was out for 20 years doing nonsense, wasting your inheritance, ruining your name, living with the pigs, 
Everybody throughout town's always asking you, how's your boy doing? Has he come home yet? Snicker, snicker, snicker. And he shamed you and he spent the money you gave him and on and on and on and on and on. Sleeping with, with the pigs, eating out of a trough like an animal. When he finally or she finally came home, even the best parents on earth would more than likely look that young man or that young lady in the eyes and say, all right, you're finally done. Okay. I love you. I'm glad you're home. Welcome you in. There'd still be a little bit of like, where have you been for 20 years? Did you spend all the money? Even if none of that existed, nobody on earth would throw a party over it. Nobody would take out the finest jewelry, the finest clothes, get the, the fat calf or the fat goat and bring out the best that they had. It's like, oh, we'll communicate we love him, but he's got to know that there's some consequences to his action. You know how twisted our theology is when we think that we have to bring consequences into people's life? Let me, let me, just, let me just refresh your memory, okay? Consequences are part of people making decisions. They're not something that you impose. Right? People endure the consequences of decisions they make not because you impose them. And I hate to break the news to you, the church's job is not to impose consequences on the life of those people. Everything Jesus did and encountered, I, I don't have the time to go through all the stories I've written down. Every story after story after story, he left the encounter where the person was better because they met him. And he didn't just meet their need. He didn't just heal the man. He didn't just let the lame person walk. He always left them with an understanding of who he was because he wanted, to leave, he wanted them to leave there not just with their need met, but he wanted them to leave there with their heart changed. You see, the intention of Jesus in every encounter is to change somebody's heart. If he can change somebody's heart, that's what he's after. He doesn't see any of the other nonsense. If you compare what I've begun to build with the case for the way Jesus was to the modern church, folks, I hate to break the news to you. It is way off. That was a weak amen. It was weak because it's true. It's way off. We're not, when I say we, I'm going to say globally, I feel like our church does a good job, but I just want to continue to go in that direction. But we as a church in general, if you see the amount of, of really, really bad stuff that's coming out of some churches. I tell this story before, but one of the most impactful moments of my life was when I saw a girl who you could tell was really struggling in her life with all sorts of stuff. Really, really, really just depressed and desperate. And she had all the stickers on the back of her thing, car that said some stuff that were, you're like, yeah, she's, she's going through it. You can tell. You know, you can just, and it was, it, she was coming out of the McDonald's parking lot and she was going to her car. And I drove past her car, not into the drive-thru. Nobody get nervous, okay? And I saw, I saw the back of her car and she had a bumper sticker that says, Jesus or God, please save us from your followers. 
And, and when, that was a very impactful moment in my life. I came home, I cried to my wife. And I said, how is it that we're working so hard, we come to church every week and we're doing all this stuff that we feel like pleases God. But when it comes down to brass tacks with the way that we actually interact with the world around us, not just one another, but the world around us, we're so far removed from acting the way Jesus acted that, that it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's really, really upsetting. And so from that moment on, I decided that the way that I would communicate, not just through my own life personally on a daily basis, but I would begin to try to communicate from the pulpit, is to begin to make us really have the realization to come to the understanding of who Jesus really was and how he's actually called us to act and respond to the world around us. If you look at somebody who is not maybe in your shoes, you know, they haven't been in church or they haven't been saved or they haven't whatever, if you look at them and you look down your nose at them because they're not where you're at, you're missing the point. Well, I see you smoke. And I don't have any friends that smoke. So I'm not going to start now. So when you get done smoking, come and see me, okay? And maybe you'll just make the cut. What cut? The cut where I get to join a group of people that have their noses so far up in the air. Never mind. That wasn't going to go in a good direction, okay? I only have, I have like five things to say there and none of them are appropriate for church, okay? And my point is, is that at the end of it, if we've created this attitude or this atmosphere where we look down on the world around us, then we are totally doing the opposite of what Jesus did. And I don't know if, if Josh is here. Josh Potts, are you here? No? No? Well, all right. Um, new family to the church. I spent, he, he went back and forth to the other side of Orlando with me this week. We were talking about this, and I was telling him what I was going to be preaching on, and he said this, and I wanted to give him credit for it because normally we steal things and we don't tell anybody. That's, that's, that's actually one of the things that's how you get ordained. They're like, you've successfully stolen 10 ideas from people and presented them at your own and sold them to people. We're ordaining you, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Not really. We're getting better. So Josh, he, um, he was telling me, he said, you know, I mentioned this on Wednesday night, so those of you that weren't here, I want you to hear this. But he said, you know, the world's number one complaint about Christians is they're hypocrites. And he said, yet Jesus was never, the criticism for Jesus was never that he's a hypocrite. The criticism was that he's a friend of sinners. The criticism was he was hanging around Matthew and the tax collectors and the Pharisees. The criticism was that he was with the woman um, at the well or the Samaritan woman. And even his own disciples says, why were you talking to her? The criticism for Jesus was he was hanging out with people that didn't look like him and talk like him and act like him and didn't wear the fancy dress on Sunday. And, you know, that's what the criticism was. The criticism for Jesus wasn't that he was a hypocrite. The criticisms for Jesus over and over and over again is, why are you associating with them and you're supposed to be the son of God? Because Jesus lived his life to communicate to us and the world that not only is he countercultural to what, what, what was happening in, in, in the church, but he lived his life in such a way that he wanted to communicate to you and I that, that I care about people and their heart and where their heart is and seeing their heart change and affected and all the other stuff that gets in our way as believers, he doesn't care about. It's not a priority for him. He cares about changed hearts. 
Well, don't you think that she has a little bit of this going on? Yeah, so do we, okay? We all got a little bit of this and a little bit of that. All of us have issues, all right? If you don't think you have issues, come see my sister. She will tell you what your issues are. Just kidding. She's told you before, right? Yeah, all right. No, listen. If you think you don't have issues, just ask your spouse. I don't have a spouse. I'm a single parent. Ask your kids. I don't have kids. Ask your neighbor. All of us are dealing with stuff. Some of us just hide it really well. God bless you, sister. So glad to be here. I feel God's presence even now. Never mind the fact that I gambled $1,000 away last night. You weren't there and didn't see it. So right now, you just see this. And now I'm going to look my nose down at you because you smell like smoke. <laughs> Jesus did not, if, if I can communicate anything to you today, Jesus never got distracted by that stuff because he saw through to their heart. And he saw the heart and he's like, okay, whatever, whatever. You're a tax collector. You're a bum. You're a Samaritan. You're a lady who's, who's been known all over town as a prostitute. You've, whatever it is. I want to see your heart changed. I want you to meet me. Jesus lived his life that way. That was Jesus. I just heard her say yeah, so that's good. Um, I actually have a lot more, but I'm not going to do it because I want to show you this. Uh, John MacArthur wrote this. It's one of my favorite quotes. He said, every religion was man, is man, every religion on earth has always been about man's attempt to discover God. And he said, Christianity is God bursting into man's world and showing and telling man what he is like. You see, we have people that are trekking the earth. If I get in the right environment, the right temple, light the right candle, get in front of the right statue, do this, do this practice, have the incense burning right at the right time of the day when the bell tolls this, all of this religious stuff that's trying to discover and find God. When in our God, the one true God, we know that he came to earth through his son because he wanted to encounter man. He said, I don't want you to look for me. I'm going to find you. Yeah. You see the difference here? And when you translate it to your life and mine, we don't live with an attitude of, well, the doors are open. If they want Jesus, they're going to come. Yeah, because most people who don't know Jesus are like, what church am I going to go to this morning? Come on. This is the reality. The Bible says he came to what? Seek and to save that which is lost. Which means he was on an active mission to find and to seek and, and to locate people that were lost. Not just the church. He didn't just come for the temple. He came for the lost. Now, I can't get into details because y'all would judge me. I'm going to talk Southern for a moment because you judge me less, right? Sarah taught me that. When Sarah wants to tell somebody that they want to hear, she says, now, honey... You're going to have to stop doing that. 
And you're just like, okay. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, you gotta stop doing that. You're like, what do you mean I gotta stop doing it? <laughs> so here, I'm gonna talk real Southern for a moment. Listen to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're gonna make me forget what I was saying, okay? If I told you some of the situations that the Lord has put me in in the last three months because he wanted me to reach people's heart, you would judge me big time. Because I said, yes, Lord, if it means impacting people's hearts, I don't care about all the other nonsense. Now, don't start a rumor that, that I've been going to the strip club because I have not been going to a strip club. Because, because it, that ain't about God's judgment. That's about that woman's judgment up there. And I'm not sure which one's worse, all right? That's not what I'm talking about. So hold your little imaginations. But do you know that Jesus would go anywhere and reach people any way he could? Do you know why? Because he cares about their hearts. He cared about impacting them. He cared about revealing that I am better than you think or the priest thinks, or the pastor thinks, or the elder thinks, or the guy in the street corner thinks, I'm better than you could ever imagine. Today, we're discussing discovering Jesus. He's better than you think. And I'm going to close with a story. But next week, we're going to be discussing and going, continuing the journey on Wednesday and on Sunday. They're going to kind of be a dual thing. It's going to be discovering Jesus, friend of sinners. And I'm going to have flames that are shooting out the top of my head when I'm doing it. You're not going to want to miss it, okay? And it's not even going to mess up my hair. We've rigged the whole thing. I want to end with this. Hebrews chapter 1 here that we're reading. I think it's verse 3 here. Yeah, the end of verse 3. It said, when he had atoned for our sins, or he had made purification for our sins of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. This is the most important thing I want you to hear today. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why this is important, I want to point this out to you, is because the music came on at the perfect time. I, I told him, I said, when I get up, turn on the music. No, I didn't. It's because the temple that was built in Jerusalem took 46 years to build. And it took the equivalent of a billion dollars. One billion. One billion. So the building that we're going to build is going to cost about four million. Do the math. It's 250 times the budget of that. Which means if we built the same quality of building, we could probably fill like 10 city blocks with one building. That's the equivalent of what the temple was in Jerusalem. With a billion dollars, do you know what they did not have in that building? Chairs. There was no chairs for the priests to sit down. And the reason was, is because the priests were constantly having to work. Their work was never finished. Because their work was never finished because they were constantly having to atone for and make a sacrifice on the behalf of the people for sin. So blood of goats and bulls and whatever they could sacrifice, they would sacrifice for the sin of mankind. When Jesus atoned 
See, it was all temporary. It was a stopgap. It was a band-aid. The priests had to keep doing it over and over and over again. So while the priest was on duty in the temple and they weren't sleeping or, or, or whatever, they, they didn't have a chair to sit in because they didn't stop doing that very thing, atoning for sin after sin after sin after sin. And I don't know about you, but there's some people here today that you would have wiped out an entire flock of bulls and goats just by yourself. Can we get honest with one another? Listen, the guy that was responsible for the, the flock of uh, the goats and bulls there at the temple, when they saw you coming, they'd be like, oh my God, here we go. The priest would say, do we have another one? Dan's here. That's all they did. That's all they did. When Jesus came, he offered one sacrifice. It was himself. And his blood was enough once. His body that was broken was enough once. His death was enough once. And when he was done and he ascended into heaven, just like in John, I think it's 1029, where he says, it is finished. He sat down at the right hand of the Father because he says there's no more bulls and goats that need to be sacrificed. He says it's done. It's done. You guys have it made. You get to sit this whole time. I like this. He, he said it's done. It's finished. You see, when he said it's finished on the cross, he wasn't just talking about his life. He was talking about the fact that the priest would no longer have to sacrifice, that the priest would no longer have to offer anything. He sat down and he said, I've done it once and for all. I can sit down because the sacrifice has been made. And he said, listen, he said, all of your entire understanding of the prophets and the priests and this whole thing that you think you know about God, he said, in one instant moment, I changed it for history because I'm better than you think. I'm better than you think. When you discover Jesus, you realize that he completely changed the course of history, the course of the church, the course of understanding about God when he was here on the earth because he took every opportunity that he had to prove to you that everything you think you know about me, I'm better than that. And we learn that at the end here in Hebrews 10. Put that up there, Hebrews 10 for me, please. It says, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. I mean, and that's, that's Jesus. That's a, that is Jesus. When you get that, it'll change the way you look at yourself. It'll change the way you believe that God's called you to live your life. It'll change the way you interact with humanity when you realize that Jesus is better than you think. Will you stand so we can pray? Oh, we're going to show the video or pictures? We can do that while you're standing. You need to stretch anyways. Oh, thanks. You can get the lights. Thanks, Cora. Now, let's check these out real quick and then we'll pray. This, um, I think, just happened just within the last hour. Hit it, Casey.
Check that out. Isn't that cool? If you understand the history of Romania, you'll understand how awesome this is, that this is going on. The first song they were singing was, Where You Go, I'll Go, which is a song of just sacrificing our will and our futures of the King of Kings. So that's awesome what God is doing there in Romania. So let's just thank the Lord. I mean, let's put our hands together and we're going to pray. Lord, we just thank you. Father, we just ask you to bless us, Lord, as we go as we ponder and receive this revelation, Lord, as we, as we realize and go on this journey for the next three weeks, discovering um, who your son is and who, who you are, God, and, and, and who you were here on the earth through his life. Jesus, we want to encounter you in a new and fresh way in the coming weeks, that we would really, really open our hearts and our minds to being totally, um, just our minds being blown and are totally just blown away at, at how much you love us and how much better you are than we think you are. So God, as we leave here, as we go, Lord, let there be an outpouring of your love, your grace, your affection in our lives, that we would continue to encounter the goodness of God and realize that you're better than we think. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.